Welcome to Porter Wright's Antitrust Law Source. Good afternoon. This is Jay Levine, your host of Antitrust Law Source. I'm here with Darcy Allen Doney, um, who I believe we've already had it one or two podcasts. How you doing, Darcy? I'm good. How are you, Jay? I'm doing well. We're coming to you from Columbus, Ohio, in a lovely conference room um, overlooking downtown Columbus. <laughs> and I have exciting news that soon, within a couple of months, Darcy will be joining us for at least a couple of years in the D.C. office, and we look forward to her arrival. I'm very excited to be coming. Mm-hmm. And when I say arrival, I should say, um, in, and in due time, hopefully, uh, we're going to have a, a new member of the Porter Wright team. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, we wish you much luck in all of that. Darcy has written an excellent three-part series on sort of Amazon and its antitrust woes. I don't know if it's antitrust woes or antitrust, using antitrust as maybe a sword almost. But it's an excellent read. It can be found on our uh, blog. But we wanted to, in this podcast, give you sort of an overview of everything that's been happening over the past few years with respect to Amazon, Apple, the publishing industry, because it really is a an interesting interplay between antitrust, free speech, if you will, and generally quality versus price sometimes and, and how that gets you know played out in the real world. So without any further ado... Let me ask you first, what compelled you to write this? Well, about a month ago, a group of several thousand authors, publishers, and independent re- um, booksellers decided to write a an open letter, but to publish basically a position statement and write several letters to the Department of Justice urging the Department of Justice to investigate Amazon for anti-competitive behavior. And this kind of was bringing to a head... Uh, a dispute that has been growing between the authors and the publishing industry and Amazon for about eight years now. Um, So on one side, you have the authors and the publishers who are really supporting the traditional role of book publishing, where publishers would take a share of the profits of a book in exchange for vetting the books, editing them, and making sure that the facts were correct. They also pay advances, don't they? So these authors can live. Exactly. exactly. Well, and, the, and obviously authors have a vested interest in wanting a larger profit margin of their books, of the right. books that are sold that they're writing. Um, and they contend that this system enhances the public dialogue and the ideas that are available to the public by ensuring the quality and accuracy of the books that are going into the market. Mm-hmm. And by providing financial incentives to authors, like you were saying, the, the advances, to provide those high-quality books that are ensured to be accurate. And so on the other side, you have Amazon, who has been, um, you know, for the last eight years, has been becoming increasingly dominant in the, um, in the online retail world, in the e-publishing world, and who, as a result, has been able to get a larger number of authors published and get those ideas and those books out to the public, out to the, um, public in a quicker and less expensive fa- fashion. Right. Yeah, Yeah, I'm sorry. You you said something. You said e-publishing. What does that mean? Amazon, since 2009, has actually been publishing its own books. It's had had its own publishing arm and has been able to publish books electronically through its Kindle platform, Uh which is significantly less expensive than publishing the traditional books that we think of that have, you know, covers and paper. And as a result of being able to do that, they've been able to get more authors to the market at a less expensive price point. And they say that you know they're reducing the prices of 
the information that is becoming available to the public and allowing more authors to be published that wouldn't have been published before. Now, I've heard the term and we've seen the term sort of self-publishing by authors. Is that sort of through the Amazon e-publishing? More or less. That's just allowing authors to go through, again, through a publisher like Amazon, that when you're publishing electronically, Amazon isn't going to do a lot of the vetting that the mm -hmm. traditional publishers are. They're not going to uh, do a lot of the fact-checking, the careful editing, but they're going to be able to get those, publish those authors' works into the public sphere a lot faster and at a lower price point as a result of not doing I that. See. So there are some e-books that are vetted in sort of some traditional way, but there are also a lot of e-books that where the author says, I don't need someone to fact check or edit, I just want to get it out as is. Exactly. Uh, if you're buying an e-book that is you know, probably most of the books that are on you know, the New York Times bestseller list still, mm -hmm. that are still the best published authors, those, most of those authors are probably still going through a traditional publishing house that has um, you know, assisted them by providing them some kind of an advance and has edited their work closely and if it's nonfiction, has done some sort of fact checking. Mm -hmm. Okay. And those books can obviously still be published electronically. Gotcha. That's just the the media through which it's published. But if I wrote a book and, you know, uh, let's say Penguin doesn't pick it up for some odd reason and I want to get it out, I can do it through the Amazon too and at relatively little cost. Yep. You might have a much better shot of getting it published through Amazon than through a Penguin. Gotcha. Now, you had said, I mean, we know Amazon's dominance. Give me, give me some facts, specifics on sort of how big they are in this area. In terms of the sales of physical books, actually buying books over an online marketplace, mm -hmm. Amazon still has 75% of that market, and hmm. they have approximately 65% of the increasingly dominant ebook market because oh, there okay. are more and more people who want to read books on their Kindle. Yeah, I'm I'm a paper guy, but I, I am, but all of my kids have some sort of Nook or Kindle or something. Well, there's a lot of advantages to that. It's lightweight. It's easy to use. I know, I know. I'm I'm old school, but okay, I, I I get I get you. So so they have a pretty pretty dominant share of the of the retail of books. Curiously, are there other e-publishers out there, or is Amazon pretty much it? Well, there are certainly other books that other companies that will publish books electronically. For oh, like example. like the Nook or the Barnes and Noble and that type of thing. Well, and those are you know if you're looking at the Nook from Barnes and Noble, for example, that's the electronic platform right. that, through which they're publishing. Um, and to be perfectly honest, I don't know whether Barnes and Noble has its own publishing mm -hmm. arm or whether they're only going to be publishing books that have been published through a more classic gotcha. publisher. And then there, it's being retailed and sold uh, on the Nook platform. Yeah, because when you, we talk about e-publishers, I only hear really about Amazon. You don't hear about many others, which <laughs> may answer my own question. But okay, so so you say this, you know, Amazon's sort of had this dominance for the recent row has been brewing for about eight years. What happened eight years ago? Well, that was when the Kindle was released. And that was the, the you know, that was, that was a... That was a direct one. answer? Yeah. Okay. Well, the Kindle was released in 2007, and that was about the time, that was the first really widely available ebook platform mm -hmm. that really grew in popularity very quickly. And so as a result of it being the first widely available platform, and as a result of its popularity, it Amazon gained the majority of the market share pretty darn quickly. And within a few years, they had about 90% of the market. And we say the market of the ebook market. The ebook market. Okay, well, that makes sense. 
But to be honest, I'm sure our listeners are thinking that seems to be a good thing for publishers and authors. I mean, it's just getting their material out there in more media, um, increasing sales. But that didn't seem to really, uh, they didn't seem to be so cool with it. Why? Well, and what you're reflecting just there is it's Amazon's exact position. They're saying, you know, our whole goal here, Amazon says that its whole goal is to bring books to a wider market mm -hmm. by using this electronic platform and thereby lower the cost. Authors and publishers, however, as we were talking about before, make their living on the profit margin that they get from mm -hmm. each of the books. So they benefit from having a larger profit margin from the books. And again, if they go through the traditional publishing houses, they have more, more leverage to make sure that there's a higher profit margin there. Gotcha. But on the flip side, that means that there's higher prices being charged for the books to the public. Uh -huh. So they, they, and I guess the publishers also don't like the consuming public getting used to a too low of a price point, even if it's in an ebook, because that is eventually going to spill over and start, they're going to start demanding lower paper book. Of course, uh, no, no one wants to see their product, the product that they've been churning out on the discount rack. Right, right. Lord knows we don't want our legal services on the discount rack, so... <laughs> but of course, we provide premium service here. But uh, I see. So Kindle comes out. They take it ninety percent of the market, and the publishers start to see, you know, prices of books at what, like ninety nine cents, and and it shoots all the way down. So, what happens then? So sort of this relationship takes a little bit even rockier of a turn. Well, in 2010, that was when Apple released its iPad. Mm, I think we need a drum roll. Da -da -da -da. <laughs> uh -huh. And consequently wanted to, that created a new platform for ebooks to be, for people to be reading their books electronically. And Apple obviously saw this, they wanted to challenge Amazon's market dominance, market superiority at 90%. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking competition here. Well, so in order to do that, they, you know, because obviously, because they, Amazon was pretty dominant, they negotiated pricing deals with five of the largest book publishers, which were Hatchet Book Group, Simon & Schuster, HarperCollins, Penguin & Macmillan, all of which we've probably heard of at some point, which were effectively going to maintain control of the downstream retail pricing of the e-books in the publisher's hands. Yeah, because they had a funky mechanism, and it used to be, I believe... Like you would think, the publisher sold the book to the distributor, and the distributor sold the book to the you know retailer or to the to the downstream customer. But title had been passed, mm -hmm. and then they they when Apple came along, they started a whole new system, right? I mean, yeah, now <laughs> it, it was much more direct. Right, and and they kept it was like uh, I think they called it a consignment. So this way the publishers can actually control the price that was paid all the way downstream and could, you know, keep up the price. Frankly. Exactly. And so Amazon responded to this, which, you know, the parties disagree on, <laughs> on what Apple's motive was in negotiating that kind of that type of a deal. But Amazon responded to that attempt to, by Apple to enter the market that was 90% controlled by Amazon by going to the Department of Justice and saying that this was an anti-competitive conspiracy that was aimed to raise prices for consumers. And sure enough, after an investigation, the DOJ brought, brought claims against both Apple and against all five of the publishers they had negotiated with. 
The the interesting, you know, a side note there is that the publishers, I believe, and and Apple, all claimed that Amazon was engaging in something called predatory pricing, which is selling below cost, because they said they're selling the books at below the cost that Amazon is mm -hmm. buying the books from the publisher. And the reason they're doing so is essentially as a loss leader so they can get people to buy the Kindle, which was a much greater profit margin for, yeah. for Amazon then. And somehow, whatever the legitimacy of those claims may or may not be, DOJ didn't buy it. They, they didn't investigate Amazon. They investigated Apple and the publishers. Yep, and went all the way through with that, pursued that lawsuit and those claims. And all five of the um, of the publishers ended up settling with the DOJ, yeah. but ended up paying out approximately 160 million in the okay. process. The publishers did, as well as a stipulation to the kinds of to the kinds of contracts that they can negotiate with other retailers in the future. And Apple alone ended up proceeding to trial and lost. Yep. Yep. And now uh, now they're appealing it, obviously, and they also have and they. And have also lost on appeal. On appeal. And both and both the district court judge and the uh, the federal district court judge and the appellate judge noted that you know they recognized that there may have been some some corporate bullying right. going on here from by Amazon, but basically said that more corporate bullying wasn't the way to resolve the issue. Yeah, no, actually, in one of the best lines of the opinion that you note, it's more corporate bullying is not an appropriate antidote. To corporate bullying. Yeah. <laughs> In other words, our mothers were right. Two wrongs do not make a right. Yeah. Which is interesting. And, of course, Apple also has something that may even be worse than the money it has to pay out is they also have a monitor so that there's somebody who is appointed to actually monitor Apple's activities and to make sure that it doesn't engage in anything of this sort. And... The fees of, for the monitor have gotten pretty hefty, and there's been a lot of sort of skirmishes just about the monitoring itself. But you know, it's kind of it's kind of like having your mother-in-law come live with you permanently. You know? It's just you know, you know, it's just not a healthy situation to have. Well, we're going to hold it here for now. We'll pick up this discussion about Amazon and its antitrust woes next week. This has been Jay Levine, your host of Antitrust Law Source. You can reach either me or Darcy through our firm website, porterite.com, or you can reach me at the letter J, L-E-V-I-N-E, -E at porterite.com, or Darcy at D-J-A-L-A-N-D-O-N-I, at porterite.com. I'm also on Twitter at at J-A-Y-L-L-E-V-I-N-E. We're both on LinkedIn, and you can also reach us at antitrustlawsource.com. Thanks, and have a great day. Porter Wright Morrison Arthur LLP offers this content for informational purposes only as a service for our clients and friends. This content is not intended as legal advice for any purpose, and you should not consider it as such. All rights reserved.